You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. For someone to explain. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. All right, welcome to episode number 27 of the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and I'm joined today with Natasha Wesch. Natasha is Assistant Professor at Western University Faculty of Health Sciences and a mental performance consultant in, in a private practice. Uh, she was a Canadian Senior Women's National Team athlete from 1992 to 2002. Uh, during, during her playing career, she also uh, took up coaching. Um, she, she had roles with uh, the Canadian Junior Women's National Team as head coach and moved into Canadian Senior Women's Sevens team for three years. And all that time as well, she coached Western University women's rugby team for 22 years and retired from that role last season to focus uh, time and energy on family and a private practice in performance psychology consulting. Uh, she holds a PhD in sports psychology, a master's in counseling, a uh, counseling psychology, um, a master's in exercise biochemistry and a bachelor's in exercise science. Um, and I'd say you'd spend a lot of money on picture frames, putting them all up on the wall. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the, on the show, Natasha. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's a, a long list, not yeah, on purpose. Yeah, I didn't wrong. know what to, to give you there. No, that's that's all good. That um, you know, it's a it's a really interesting story, both as uh, an athlete, a coach, and and you know, now for 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 quite a bunch of time working in uh, the area of psychology. Um, what's a what's a kind of you know a brief brief version of how you became a player into the sports psychology role? Um, the brief version is I got injured a few times as an athlete, and yeah. and specifically you know uh, had two shoulder reconstructions, and I didn't want to lose my spot on the national team, so I started working with a sports psychologist, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, why don't more people know about this? And yeah. uh, that's what triggered my interest, and so I changed my direction into sports psychology and psychology after uh, starting, um, yeah, after starting with what was originally going to be medical school. So all right. Okay. That's great. And you did all that. Uh what what universities were you were you at for that? I uh, started off at Concordia, Montreal. So I'm mm-hmm. native of Montreal. And then I came to Western and spent a lot of money at Western. <laughs> yeah. And then uh so then you uh during during your time as an athlete you, you took on the Western uh women's role, coaching role. And you just Yeah, well when I yeah, when I came over to Western as an athlete, they uh, they were looking for a coach and they saw that, like I was just asking about being a player and they saw that I had uh, played with the national team or that I was playing with the national team. And so they uh, they asked if I would take on the role as coach and I was just going to be here for a master's degree and that was it. And so I thought, yeah, two years, I can do that. I can play and coach for two years and then 22 years later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, that must have been hard after 22 years. Well, probably maybe you'd already decided that it's time to move your energies into other directions, but 22 years is a long time. It is a long time. And, you know, I hadn't, it wasn't just the Western team that I was doing. It was all the other teams at the same time and, yeah. and everything else. And so um, when I do something, I do it pretty full on. So, uh, you know, dedicating 22 years full time and, you know, it had a pretty good impact on some 
pretty key players along the way and a lot of players along the way. So, you know, you know, your job has, has been done when you kind of look back and go, I think it's time for somebody else who brings some passion and, and who maybe has the energy that I had when I started off 22 years ago yeah. to, to take over the program. So, yeah, yeah. And I know that feeling, you know, having three or four programs on the go and absolutely throwing everything at them. Um, yeah. You've got to, got to balance that time well and especially when you got family and your your actual real job on top of that that's right yeah <laughs> unfortunately coaching isn't well it's a real job it's just not a very well-paying job so yeah yeah for sure okay well um i wanted to focus on for this episode on um emotion control for coaches uh that's definitely an area that i'm interested in uh it's an area that's been a challenge uh for me and um I've, I've made huge strides uh in it and and so that got me thinking there's there's other coaches out there as well who 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 struggle with this this area and um so i just wanted to talk about that why why do you think just just to start off why do you think it's important for coaches to maintain control of their emotions during during games well on a number of levels but i think you know we ask our athletes to try to maintain their emotions and their control so that they're they're focused and they're able to produce the best possible performance and mm -hmm. it's the same thing for us yeah. um, us being as coaches right like we need to be able to deliver on the day and if we're all over the place and scatterbrained or reacting emotionally then our athletes will feed off that and that's not always a good thing especially mm -hmm. on game day when game day it's about the athletes really it's not about the coach especially in rugby it's so not about the coach in rugby mm. on game day. So if, you know, it's just sit back, relax and enjoy your, enjoy the work you've done throughout the, the week. Yeah. And that's, you know, saying it like that sounds, sounds quite easy. Um, what, what do you, what do you think some of the reasons why coaches will struggle um, to control their emotions? I think there's a number of ways to look at it. Um, first is, not all coaches have been players before, but I think majority of coaches in rugby have played the game before. And mm -hmm. so they're, you know, first and foremost, an athlete, and then they move into coaching. So the great thing about being an athlete in rugby is, and in any sport, is you get to play the game. You get to take all your energy, all your thoughts, all of that stuff, and you get to play the game. And so your frustrations, your, you know, everything gets to go into physically into the game. Whereas as a coach, you have no outlet on game day. The only outlet you have is your voice and your actions. Mm. And, and I think we have a hard time, um, you know, recognizing that we're, we're not playing the game and, and we tend to see the game in our mind and react to the game as if we're playing and we can't really physically do anything about it so i think that's why it comes out emotionally that's why it comes out in actions yeah the other thing is that i know for a fact and and i didn't do this until i really got into sports psychology but coaches don't prepare we don't prepare mentally we don't prepare for our own game day performance the way we require our athletes to do so and i think that that's a huge downfall for a lot of coaches as they go in and they'll just go well you know i'll just coach the way I usually coach but how do you want to behave how do you want to re react where do you want to po put your energy on game day well you have to prepare mentally for that kind of stuff and so you have to have a plan in place you have to know exactly what you want to do and uh, and that's a I think is a huge factor in being able to control your emotions um, and being able to say the right thing at the right time do the right thing at the right time make the appropriate substitutions at the right time all of those decisions that you make you have to have a level head to be able to do it yeah, and that's and from a personal 
coaching point of view, that's definitely one thing that helped me a lot is just that that game day routine. Um, the, what am I doing three hours before the game? What am I doing two hours before the game? And just having that structure uh, definitely definitely helped and took the randomness away from it. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with athletes. So what's good for the athlete is good for the coach and mm-hmm. vice versa. That's great. Right. Um, so we, we might come back to come come back to that uh, uh, again. Um, I'll just stay on the uh, the lead up to it. Um, how, how so? When a coach does lose control of their emotions, how how does it f- affect them in terms of their decision making? And also, you touch a little bit on the athletes on the field, how it affects them as well. The first thing, if we look at how the athlete is affected, is and I kind of said it in in the intro. There is on game day, the coach has really in rugby has zero impact and should have zero impact Mm -hmm. like your your impact is during the practice week is during practice sessions so that you're delivering all of your knowledge into those athletes so that on game day really they're the ones in control because technically you should be up in the stands enjoying the show Mm -hmm. right so um how does it impact is you're trying to make an athlete react to what you're thinking when you see it so there's a delay, right? You see it, you react, you say something, you say it to the athlete. By the time the athlete does the thing that you think you wanted them to do when you had the reaction, that time has gone, long gone mm. and passed, right? So you're creating, you know, indecision in your athletes by trying to make them, by trying to give them the right answer at the right time. Yeah, right? and yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some 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 coaches may have emotion control um you know, battles with uh, their athletes, but also referees as well. And that that's the same kind of thing. You see a rule, a law interpreted how you thought it should have been or shouldn't have been, and you react in that delayed fashion, right? Absolutely. And you're not, you're not getting the same uh, vantage point as the referee. You're not getting mm. the same vantage point as, as the athletes. And really, at the end of the day, it, it really doesn't matter what you think as a coach, like take it up with the referee at halftime or more importantly, take it up with the referee at the end of the game. But, you know, you're imagine the way that I think about it for coaches who, you know, really are losing their, their marbles or, or, you know, losing control emotionally on game day is if you were in a regular desk job and your boss came and jumped all over you (laughs) and, and was telling you, push that button to say, right, this, do this, do that, respond this way how would you react? You yeah. would, you would go crazy. You'd be on, on edge all the time. And that's how the athletes are reacting, right? Yeah. You don't want people when, when you're trying, they're trying to make the best decisions and to have peak performance, you don't want to be yelling at them. No, no, absolutely. Um, okay. So from your experience, you touched on it a little bit earlier. What, what are some of the first steps you'd advise coaches to take uh, if this is an area that they, they struggle with? I think the first the first thing is for them to be self-aware. And the mm-hmm. best way of being self-aware is to have somebody videotape you over a number of practices, over a number of games, and just take a look at your behavior. Take a look at what you do and when you do it. Okay, granted, when you know you're being videotaped, you're going to change your behavior, but at least you're going to get an idea of it because under pressure – your natural behavior is going to come out and you'll get some glimpses of what you usually do. So that's like self-awareness, being aware mm-hmm. of what, you, what you're like. And then how do you want to behave, right? It's kind of like, how do you want to perform? How do you want to be? And so if you want to be calm, then what are some, what are some ways that, one, what are th- some triggers that elevate that, that emotion, that trigger you to, to, lose, you know, to lose control? But what are some things that help you manage that control? So 
I'll give you a personal example. Like for me, I can't, even though we're allowed, I can't stand on the sideline with my team because mm-hmm. there's the team running, you know, the ad, the subs running up and down. You got the referees, you got this people in the stands, you got everybody yelling and chirping and, and that gets me riled up and I mm. want to chime in. So the way that I manage that is I would stand in the end zone, although a lot of people didn't like that, but I'd stand in the end zone and I'd be quiet for the most part, way more quiet than I was if I was on the yeah. sideline. Oh, so that's... that was a way of managing my emotion. Yeah, that's where you'll find me on game day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a big thing for a lot of coaches, provided, of course, you're not just moving your screaming to the end zone <laughs> yeah, rather yeah. than on the sideline, yeah, right? Yeah. So that was the thing for me. I also didn't stand around anybody. As soon as I, you know, I, I coached with a, a long time, a uh, long time good coach and, and, and colleague of mine uh, at both at Western and with the national junior national programs. And we'd have to stand at different on the different end zones. If he stood beside me, I would hear him kind of mumble under, under his breath, certain things. And, mm. and that would trigger me to say, so I think it's really recognizing your environment and what works for you. What are the triggers that tend to, you know, get you to fly off the handle? Um, but also practicing emotion control, practicing emotion control in practices. You ask athletes to practice things in practices. Similarly, as a coach, you need to practice emotion control. How do you react to athletes? How do you want to speak to them? How do you want to speak to the referee if that, if you have to at all? For I'm not sure what reason, but you know. So all of these things are really important. And then the next thing. So we talked about you know this self awareness, um, this preparation of how you want to be. And then the next thing is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big word now, mindfulness practice, but just mm-hmm. being aware of what you're like in the present moment and trying to stay in the present moment and just being aware of where your thoughts are taking you. And does it need to be said? Does it need to be, you know, voiced? Or is it just you trying to show people around you that you know what you're doing or that you're dissatisfied with what your athletes are doing? Right. A lot of times we'll react. And really, if we were by ourselves and there was nobody watching us, we probably wouldn't react. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just that just that point on uh, practicing it. I, I heard a good uh, a good method for that is uh, and you being from Montreal would understand uh, our, our lovely drivers here in Quebec and uh, <laughs> and our traffic conditions and. And that that's a good way to practice those, those kind of things. Is if someone cuts you off in traffic, or you're in you're in a traffic jam of some kind, is is use that as a moment to to practice that emotion control and imagine that that's on the sideline of a game. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And any situation in life that tends to you know trigger your emotions is to practice it there because if you're able to practice it there, then you're much more aware of what's going on around you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so other than that, um, what, what are some other tools you, you'd suggest for, for, for coaches who, so they've identified that they've got this issue. Uh, they recognize, okay, I'm starting to really creep up in the, my levels of, of emotions and that it's getting to a, a negative point. What are some ways that they can kind of pull themselves off the edge of the cliff and, and bring themselves back down to, to a kind of a satisfactory emotional level. Um, you know, it's just like with athletes and it's with any performer, uh, being able to rein in your, your emotions is really about knowing what your, there's a point of no return, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to recognize when you're getting up there and then come back, step away, take your, it's like that, you know, when you're dealing with kids, like I need, I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to (laughs) remove myself from the room and I just need to get away because there are things that are going to trigger you. Right. But it's recognizing where your point of no return is because everybody has it. And as soon as you go over that cliff, you're done. Mm. Right. You're, you're going to have your you've lost it and you're going to have a hard time coming back. So recognizing that being able to bring yourself back, step away, um, you know, breathe 
testing techniques, uh, um, you know, as I said, mind techniques, being recognize what's going on around you and, and breathe, relax, calm down. Uh, those are things that they are skills. They're not just tools, but they're skills that you have to practice, mm. right? So you can't just say, okay, on game day, I'm going to be calm. Well, you have to practice that. It's just like you wouldn't expect your kicker to slot a, you know, a conversion kick if you kind of go, okay, today you're going to try this for the first time. That's not mm. going to work, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially under pressure. So practicing those types of things. So if you, you know, if you think of any type of tool that you would give your athlete to learn how to manage emotions and to manage whether it's anger or volatility or whatever it is, those same exact tools are used for coaches, breathing, relaxation, mindfulness, um, knowing what your zone is, all of those things are the same. Mm, that's great. All right. And what, what about for that coach who, who's tried a number of methods, uh, they've had some early success, but then they, I don't know, for want of a better word, relapse into that uh, loss of control? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting when, when we talk about relapse, as you call it, the, you know, a lot of things that uh, or a big reason that usually that happens is the individual has stopped using or adopting the behaviors that they did use in the first place mm. to be successful. So if they were creating their plan and their structure of how they wanted to prepare on game day and then they stop using them, they potentially can quote unquote relapse, right? Mm. So as I said, it, it's kind of like, you know, how do you, who you're, you know, you're on a, you're taking some medication, things are going well, you're starting to feel better. And then as soon as you start to feel better, even though you still got, you know, half the jar of medication to take, you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to stop. Mm. And well, the, the stuff's going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, and there's some there's some good there's some good stuff in there for coaches, I reckon. Um, what what if if someone if a coach wanted to try and find some um, you know resources or websites or reading material um, to to help them with this? Where, where what what direction would you point them in? Um, I would certainly start looking at you know any any type of sports psychology stuff. And there's a, the Australian Institute of Sport, the AIS, has a lot of really good resources for athletes and coaches. Um, I know there's other resources out there. Um, I've just been familiar with those for some reason. I've tagged on to those, and so there's a lot of information there. Also, any any sports psychology text, which is like an applied text, how-to kind of text, mm -hmm. anything that applies for an athlete would apply for a coach. It's the same thing. Yeah. Performance is performance, whether you are the one playing or whether you're the one coaching. Okay, and that Australian Institute of Sport one, is that on, that's on their website? Yeah, okay, it is. Great. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll put that in the show notes and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, lead, lead the listeners to it, uh, and I'll check it out myself for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got some stuff on my website uh, that I put up. That's it's elitemindperformance.com. Okay. So under resources, I've got things there. Um, there's, you know, I think if you look under performance psychology or sports psychology, there's going to be a lot of great information for athletes. And as I said, it it applies to the coach as well. Yeah, great. Okay, just uh, yeah, just to finish off, um, your your private practice there, Elite Mind Performance, what. Mm -hmm. What's what's that about? How's it, how you're, you're multi-sport there and across all, all yep. kind of fields? Yeah, so I work with um, athletes, coaches, all ages, all sports, um, all backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I basically, exactly what we're talking about, I help them um, uh, basically perform to the best of their ability. So, you know, some athletes will come in and they need to manage their anxiety. Some athletes come in and they're like, I want to make the next 
level team or I want to go on to the OHL or I want to go to the national program and I want to make sure that I know how to use imagery and visualization and I've got a plan and I know how to manage my emotions and I'm doing some goal setting, all of these things. So Mm -hmm. it could be anything. Um, Some athletes have had a a disappointing performance and they want to rebound from that. So we work on that. So there's all kinds of different things and it's all about that mind and managing your mindset and being able to perform at your best because we all know you can have all the technical skills in the world, but mm-hmm. if on game day you can't produce those or you can't transfer from practice to game, then that usually is within the six inches between your ears, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, mm-hmm. and if someone wanted to get in contact with you, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, they can contact me on, on my website, EliteMindPerformance.com. It can also reach me on Facebook, Elite Mind Performance. Um, those are the best ways. Okay, perfect. And we'll we'll put I'll put all those up on the website as well, so people can check it out too. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Well, um, we we always end the show with the same uh, four closing questions. Um, when when you were a kid growing up, uh, who was who was your favorite rugby player or or even athlete as you as you were um, getting into sport or or later on in your your teen years? Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> I, when I started rugby, I started quite late. I, mm-hmm. I played all kinds of other sports, and I only started when I was 20. Um, and really what, what, uh, what really drew me to the sport was, well, obviously I was with some friends who played the sport, but also the 91 World Cup was a big thing, the mm-hmm. Men's World Cup. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, you know, people that I looked up to because I played scrum half were a lot of the great scrum halves of the time, but yeah, also... Right. Um, I was, I was really taken by the New Zealand team and, and the, well, Southern hemisphere teams really. So, uh, a lot of their players, uh, Sean Fitzpatrick and, um, Zinzan Brook and, uh, George Cregan, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, but used vendor West Hazen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, if I, I butchered that one, but anyways, I, so those guys, those were really, and, and they weren't, you know, women's rugby was kind of in its, it's in, in its infancy. So mm. there weren't too many female athletes that you looked up to, or you could really find. And especially with, you know, the lack of internet and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. Well, those, those were the people that I looked up to. Yeah. Great. Uh, there's, some, there's some great names in there for sure. And, and George Gregan was definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, well, the, the women's game is definitely on the, uh, on the, the, the world stage now. So, um, who, who's one of your favorite rugby players going around at the moment? <laughs> well, I'm kind of biased because all of these players that I, uh, that I really like, I've coached. So, oh, great. That's um, awesome. you know, like right now, like Jen Kish, obviously the captain yeah. of the women's sevens team and Kelly Russell, Kelly Russell, I coached for since she was 13 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ashley Patzer, who's now Ashley Stacey. Um, but all of those, the great athletes, just amazing what they've done and the dedication that they've had to really, it's basically take the leap, right? Take women's rugby for this, you know, it was an unknown thing. And now with the Olympics and just really set that standard super high for, for Canada and for sevens rugby in, in, in the world. And I think that what their dedication that, and everything they've put into it just to really, um, bring the game uh, to the next level has been yeah. amazing. And yeah. yeah, and the time date of recording this, uh, the, the the sevens kicks off in uh, three days' time. So that's that's going to be amazing to see those women uh, running around and and uh, playing for their country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Third question. Um. Who's who's one of your favorite high profile coaches going around? High profile coaches. Um, well, I've got, uh, 
one is Sasha Werlich, and I wouldn't say that she's so much high profile, mm -hmm. but I've had an opportunity to coach with her and to work with her not only as a, a coach, but also I worked with her um, from a performance psychology perspective. And she's with the Netherlands Women's Sevens team, yep. and she's basically taken over their program and really turned it around. Um, she's done some amazing things, and I really like the way she operates and and her vision for the sport and her uh, her approach with the athletes. So. Um, yeah, she's someone that uh, I would work with, uh, any day and I would send athletes to her any day. Unfortunately, she's across the pond in another country, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last question. What about someone who's, uh, you know, grassroots coach chipping away, uh, who deserves a shout out for the work they're doing? Um, definitely Jen Russell, Jen Russell. I'm, I'm biased because these are all Western alumni and people I've <laughs> cool, coached, cool. but, uh, yeah. Jen Russell has just, uh, been appointed the head coach of the York university women's rugby yeah. team. And, uh, you know, she's, she's really taken a grasp of it and she's, mm -hmm. she's going to do an excellent job because she's taking it really, really seriously. She's approaching it like a full-time position and a professional coaching position. So That's I think right. she's going to turn the program around. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw that, uh, that she was appointed and I, I was, I was thinking that, um, definitely need to reach out to her and get her on the show, uh, maybe after the end of her first season to see, see, see what the experience was like. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's going to do an amazing job there. Great. That's awesome. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Okay. Well, um, th thanks. Thanks a bunch for giving up your time uh, to, to come on the show. And, uh, you know, I know personally, um, this is an area that, that, uh, that I'm always working on. Um, and it's something I, I got a bunch out of it. I've got a, uh, quite a few notes written down that I'm, I'm going to look over and definitely the, the websites that you, you referred, uh, the listeners to, I'll be checking out as well. So yeah, I really appreciate you giving up your time. So thanks very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at RugbyCoachSCNR or via the website at TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com. Until next time, Keep sharing ideas to make the game better.